you're here because you want to be here because you're in the 6 p.m. sizzle service is what I like to call it. The 6 p.m. sizzle. Look at your neighbor. Tell them you're in the sizzle service. You are in the sizzle. And uh, I believe God is in some of you like, sizzle service? Interesting. Powerful. Uh, this is a service where I just believe God is going to do something special in your life. I want to present uh, just an interesting portion of scripture that I believe is going to speak uh, directly to you today. And uh, a couple things I want to say before that. Number one is this. I, I, this summer, as I was traveling around the nation, I, uh, I was in the terminal at one point, and I, I saw a gentleman there that had an illustrious setup. Uh, he had a TV, his own personal TV, his own video game console he was playing in the terminal. I thought to myself, how did this man get all this equipment through when I can't even get a bottle of four-ounce lotion through? How somehow he got all this equipment through? Anyway, he's sitting there in the terminal, and he's playing this game, and the plane is loading up, okay? I see the plane loading up. I see him sitting in the terminal where we're, we're loading. I think to myself, I think this guy's on our flight. Now, I'm too nosy to just walk on the plane. So I sit back, okay? If you don't know this about me, I am a people watcher. I don't need entertainment, Netflix, buy, Hulu, buy. I love to watch people. I told you I was eavesdropping on pastor's prayers earlier today. I'm a people watcher, okay? And uh, so I'm literally, I'm in this setting, and I'm watching this. I get on the plane. I give him my ticket, and I stand back to watch this guy, right? They board the entire plane, and they close the door. And this man gets up as he realizes the door's closed, and he goes, wait a minute, I'm on that flight. I'm supposed to be on that plane. I was here. Let me in. Come on. And he's screaming. And he's using very colorful words, and they're saying, listen, when we close the door, we close the door. And as I was sitting there watching this man through the window, smiling, eavesdropping on the whole moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, how many people are in the right location but still miss the plane? Uh, how many people are still in the right environment, yet they miss out on what God is about to do? Oh, Fred, you made it here tonight. Great, you're in the terminal, but don't miss this plane. Don't miss the God, the moment God wants to take you to. Don't miss the opportunity for you to touch what you've never touched, experience what you've never experienced before. Not because I'm sure today, but because he's good and he's faithful. And he's gracious. And last thing I want to tell you to give you a little disclaimer. When we get to the altar tonight, I've learned really quickly that when it comes to walking with God, gratefulness will take you, thankfulness will take you so much further than even effort will in the kingdom of God. And I was reading this afternoon, honestly, about uh, what Jesus did with the miracle of the 5,000. You know, he started the first red lobster on the beach, okay? And uh, some of you are like, red lobster, that's fake lobster. But anyway, we'll take it. And uh, Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fishes. And the Bible says that he does something very specific. I'm hoping we will do here today. He says that Jesus took, he took uh, the boy's lunch, he broke it, and he thanked God for it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, anything that you thank me for, I'll multiply. Huh? Anything we're willing to thank God for, anything we're to, willing to let him invade, and we begin to lift him up before it and say, God, we thank you for this. We praise you for the opportunity. Anything we're willing to be thankful for, he'll multiply. So I pray that as we get into the altar today, you'll thank him for the presence of God in your life. Amen? That you'll thank him for the anointing that's on your family, that you'll thank him for the breakthrough that's coming to your household, that you'll begin to thank him for how far he's taken you, that you'll thank him for freedom, that you'll thank him for grace, that you'll thank him for mercy, and that those things will multiply. Ooh, multiply in the 6 p.m. sizzle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to go to a weird portion of Scripture tonight, something maybe you've never read before. Jude chapter 1, verse 9. 
just one verse today because I only want to preach for five hours, not 12. And uh, y'all think I'm playing. Uh, pastor said, this is only one service tonight. You could go as long as you want. I said, as long as I want. Okay, uh, Jude chapter 1, verse 9. Even Michael, even Michael, the chief angel, didn't dare insult the devil. When the two of them were arguing about the body of Moses. Listen, the devil wants to destroy your life so badly. He's not just fighting for people who's alive. He's fighting for people who are dead. That's how committed the enemy is to destroying our lives. Michael, the chief angel of heaven, didn't dare insult the devil when the two of them were arguing about the body of Moses. All Michael said is, the Lord will punish you. The Lord will punish you. Father, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for everybody who's here today with an open heart, open hands, ready to receive what you have set aside for us. We Believe, God, that it's such an honor to experience your presence in this way. And we pray, God, that as we sit before you, that you would minister to the deepest parts of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, I want to preach from this thought today. Erasing the insult mentality. Erasing the insult mentality. All week long, I've been praying for God to give you momentum in your faith and momentum in your life. And as I was kind of preparing and as I was thinking, you know, I, I, I honestly, like, I knew I was going to preach tomorrow's message, uh, or I'm sorry, this morning's message, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to share this. And now that I'm sharing it today, it makes so much sense because I believe momentum comes to people's lives when they understand what God is really saying about them to them. Right? I believe we need to erase the insult mentality. Oh, how I wish when I was younger that somebody would have pulled me aside and given me a message like this. Erase the insult mentality. See, because when I was younger, I knew I grew up in the church. Like I tell people all the time, I go to church more than Jesus because I was at some services he was not at, okay? And uh, so I, 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 I've been in the church, okay, having a good time. I knew how to worship my hands. I knew how to bring my Bible who was wrapped in leather, hello, so that people could see how worn it was so they're like oh that's a young man reading the word of God I knew how to respond to people in Christianese when they would talk to me how you doing oh I'm blessed and highly favored the latter and not the former he's with me on my left and my right right I knew how to do it except underneath the surface of my life I was insecure ashamed frustrated disappointed angry at God and if I'm being honest with you today I thought that only immature baby Christian struggle with the insult mentality except a couple months ago I was at a pastoral retreat with the, the former team that I was on and the speaker was doing a talk and having these conversations and speaking out about what what he feels like the Lord is saying and he said for his staff he, he ran a Bible college he said for his staff every day he asked all of his staff members to sit in the presence of God for at least 25 minutes I thought to myself, that is the easiest thing. Come on, at some point we got to give each other greater examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But he said, just sit and be loved by God. I said, that's so easy. He could tell by the disdain on my face because some of us in this room, we think it in our head and we think no one noticed. Your face is saying everything, okay? Uh, we see it on uh, your face, okay? And so he saw it on my face, so he pulled me aside. He said, Peter, it seems like you think this would be something that is easy to do. I said, listen, I don't know if you know this, but you're a pastor, so am I. Okay? Some people call me Reverend Peter Reeves, okay? I said, I know how to sit in the presence of God. He said, Peter, I dare you for the next week to sit in the presence of God and not talk to him about what you want 
and not communicate with him about where you're at or what you see happening, but to sit there and be loved by God. Now, I know exactly what you're thinking. You're like, love, we preach about this all the time. We get it. We're loved by God. And I'm here to tell you today that I honestly believe that the church has a fractured understanding of the love of God because the Bible says things like this, perfect love casts out fear. If you truly understand love, then you wouldn't be fearful anymore. Huh? You wouldn't be so, you wouldn't have the worst case scenario faith is what I like to call it. You wouldn't be able to imagine all the things that could go wrong. Because perfect love casts off fear. It's this love of God that covers a multitude of sins. You wouldn't be overwhelmed with the weight of your sin. And he says, you need to sit and be loved by God. So I did just that. I marched up to that room right at the retreat. I turned all the lights off, and I sat there in the presence of God, trying to be loved by him. And I was shocked at what happened. At first, the tears started to flow as I thought about the fact that I was loved by God. Because I know that for some of you, you're like, yeah, I get it, I'm loved by God. But I know me. And the fact that he still loves me and that he's willing to use me and that he sent me, it blew me away. Even all these years later. And I'm sitting there being loved by God. And all of a sudden, all these weird things start to happen within me. I know this is maybe too vulnerable for a pastor to tell you, but I just start thinking about all the things I've ever done wrong and all the insults that people have put on my life and all the negative words spoken over me. It was just so weird. And it was like I was in the presence of God trying to be loved by God. And as I was doing this, I was immediately disqualifying myself in the presence of God. That's why some of us don't like to pray because every time we pray, we just disqualify ourselves in the presence of God. So I'm here, and I'm, and I'm praying, and I start weeping. And I, I mean, I go through an emotional roller coaster. I feel like a teenage girl, okay, in the press of the Lord. I'm like, I love you, God. Why is this happening to me? God, you're so faithful. I feel strong. I'm terrified of everything. Right? Like, I'm literally going through it. Teenage girls in here, we love you. <laughs> go through all the emotions. And I get up, and I'm like, surely that was 25 minutes. It was 12 minutes. 12 I'm like, one for every disciple. Thank you, G. Right? Like, how is this happening? And I was so blown away as I realized that the insult mentality exists in everyone who feels love of God. When I say the insult mentality, do you know what I mean today? I'm talking, about, uh, I'm talking about this constant belief that God is out to get us, this constant belief that we can never please God, that we're constantly disappointing him. The insult mentality oh, exists in every Christian, no matter how long they've been following Jesus, and we have to erase the insult Ooh. mentality. When I say insult mentality, I'm talking about the voice that says you're not good enough. Who's ever heard this before? Okay, a couple of us in here are honest. The rest of us were like, no, we, he speaks to us every morning. The angels fly in my room and take me around. Yeah. But a couple of us in this room have been there. We, have, we hear that voice that says we're not good enough. We think those thoughts that every time we're trying to progress into our future, they remind us of our past, you know? Right, the, the, the shame, the insult mentality is the shame that creeps up. Every time you're making progress in your relationship with God, all that shame starts to creep up again. The insult mentality, and friends, you and I, we have a responsibility to trust God to help us erase the insult mentality. I found out that the insult mentality is under the surface of everything we're struggling with. Under the surface of every, under depression and anxiety and fear and anger and pain and lust, all these things, underneath the surface is the insult mentality. This thing where I disqualify myself because I don't truly believe what the scriptures say about God's love for me, where I don't truly receive all that God has said about me. Man, I'm telling you today, this is what is keeping the body of Christ from going deeper and deeper in their faith. It is. Man, when I think about the insult mentality today, I think about the thousands of students all across the country who we used to have students write down prayer cards, 
But then it got too much for my soul to bear because more than half of those prayer cards would say things like, I want to kill myself. Friends, the insult mentality has plagued this generation. The insult mentality is sweeping the land. We have no idea. We hear. Listen, this is why Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. Because just because you have two appendages on the side of your face does not mean you can hear. To hear means you have to turn your heart towards the Lord and then receive what he has spoken about you. The insult mentality is underneath the surface. And I learned really quickly earlier this year, I'm sorry, earlier last year, that the insult mentality, the insults are one of the enemy's greatest weapons. Ooh, because insults are sticky and they sting. They are, some of us are still working through things that someone spoke to us in junior high. Come on, you're a grown man. You got a job and bills, a mortgage, a Roth IRA, or 401k, and because you're like that, a 403b, hello. Still wrestling with things that people have spoken over you. And I had no idea how, empowerful, how powerful insults were until I had two encounters in my own life. The first encounter is with this girl that I went to, uh, to middle school with, like sixth grade with. Uh, her name is Sam. And I saw Sam in the store just last year. And I was like, Sam, how you doing? It's Peter. She's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you recognize me. I recognize you, too. I'm like, Sam, what is going on? I haven't heard from you in such a long time. She said, yeah, because the last time I saw you, you insulted me. I'll tell you exactly what happened. So when we were in the sixth grade, me and this girl, Sam, we would joke around a lot, right? Like, you know, I would see her, and Sam was really, really white. And I'd be like, what's up, Casper? You look good today, you know? Like, I'd just make a joke at her, and then she would, you know, see me, and I'm dark, and she's like, Peter, you're like 1130 at night, dark, under the bed. I'm like, listen, I am 945, but not 1130, you know? So we would, like, joke with each other. And one time in school, Sam really embarrassed me. She really, really embarrassed me. So she, we were doing this thing. How many of you remember this thing called popcorn reading? You remember this? It's the devil, okay? Uh, like you read a sentence or a paragraph and then someone say popcorn so-and-so. And then people keep popcorning back to you, especially if you're not really good at reading, which I was not in the sixth grade. I really struggled to read, right? So Sam popcorn me, it's on me. And I'm reading this paragraph. I am struggling through this paragraph, honestly. And so at the lunch table, I remember Sam came up to me and she said something like, when are you applying to Harvard? I know in the sixth grade. She was trying to embarrass me in front of all these people. So I said, okay, I'm going to save something for you. I got something coming for you, Sam, you know. So I'll never forget it. It was like a Thursday. We had like just come in from hanging out outside, recess, if you will. We come back inside the building, and Sam is sweating, and we're all going through puberty at that point. I mean, I was really going through it. My voice was going deep and high. I was like, what's up? My name is Peter Reeves. You know, like I was just going through it. Sam's going through puberty too, and she came and she had pimples all over her face. She was sweating. I said, I didn't order a pepperoni pizza. Yeah, I know. Now, at the time, I was like, <laughs> I am funny. And all my friends were laughing. Everyone in the class, even the teacher was laughing. And Sam ran outside of the room. She came back. I know some of you are like, you're horrible. Sam came back into the room, and we never talked about it again. And then, here's what happened, is, uh, over the years, I recognized that I, other of my friends would, hey, did you see this with Sam? And I couldn't see it. And I realized that she blocked me on social media. I mean, this is several years later. Now we're in high school. We're graduating. I'm still blocked. And I can't see any of her content. And it just showed me. It just, the Holy Spirit revealed to me how deep insults were. I didn't even have an opportunity for Sam to see what God is doing in my life or to witness to her because my insults blocked the door of speaking to her vulnerably. Friends, and many of us today, this is how we feel in our relationship with God. An insult came from one random direction. An insult hit us in our heart. And now we've blocked out not just people, but God. We've embraced the insult mentality. And today someone needs to erase it.
it's not a matter of you not being able to encounter God. It's about you not, but it's about you removing the insults that have been a part of your life and the lies that the enemy has tried to attach to you so you can become everything that God's called you to be, so you can step into the goodness of God, so you can encounter the presence of God. We've got to erase whoo, the insult mentality. The second scenario is a scenario that I talk about every time I preach, almost every time. I was, uh, again, in that same year. Oh, that was a dramatic year for me, my sixth grade year. In that same year, um, there was a, a girl in my class, and uh, her, she, I was really close with her. Like, we were actually really good close. Actually, to be honest, I liked her. I liked her. She had an eye patch, and your boy was really into pirates. Hello? And uh, I just, I was like, wow. I was like, say R. She was like, R. I was like, I feel God on that. You know, just like amazing. Is that wrong to say? I don't know. I already said it. And, and she had a party, and it was actually a Scooby-Doo-themed party, okay, Scooby-Doo. And I was like, this, this is amazing, you know. And so uh, we were partners on a project before this, and she had invited everyone in the class to her birthday party. Now, I was a really optimistic kid. I grew up every day of my life. My mom said, Pita, everybody loves you. Everybody. I was like, everybody? She's like, everybody. That's a lie. Okay, not everybody likes me. That's fine, Right? But my mom would tell me that, so I was really optimistic. So when she didn't give me an invitation, I was fine. I was like, this is obviously a situation in which she's saving the best for last. She thinks I'm the best, so she's going to give me the invitation last. So I did what most of us do when we don't get invited to stuff. I invited myself to her party. Hello? Right? I went up to her afterwards. I said, Taylor, guess what? I said, I realized you didn't give me an invitation. That's fine. No big deal. We're friends. And I said, um, what time's the party? I already know where you live. I know how to show up. And she told me, she said, Peter... I didn't invite you to my party. I was like, okay, well, seems like that party's going to stink if I'm not there. And she said, my mom said, I can't invite you to my party because you're black. Now, church, I, I tell you that today, and this is maybe why I joke about color so much, because it, it was something that the enemy used to penetrate my soul to create disdain in my life for how people saw me. And I'll tell you what happened. I went home that day, frustrated, angry, upset, and overwhelmed, and I, I took my hands, and I went home, I turned the water on as hot as I possibly could as a sixth grader. I put my arms under that water, and I tried to wash the black off of my skin. I tried to wash the black off of my skin. And my mom came home, and she, she rushed into the room, and she said, so what are you doing? I said, I wanna go to the party. All I gotta do is be on black. She was like, unblack. I was like, yeah. She's like, son, and she sat down with me. Thank God for a good mom. Matter of fact, words from a spirit, from a, a like a, a actual parent or a spiritual parent can carry and erase the insult mentality in your life in such a special way. And she spoke to me. She said, son, she said, son, you are beautiful the way that God made you. You're exactly the way he designed you. And my mom spoke life over me and she encouraged me and she helped me erasing the insult mentality that was implanted in my life. And then my mom went to go on to say this because she's super saved. She was like, son, we got to pray for Taylor because she needs to have an encounter with God and her parents need to have an encounter with God. We don't want them to go to hell. I was like, mom, it's okay if they go. <laughs> These, oh, you, you don't want me to invite me to your party? Well, I'm not inviting you into heaven. Sorry. Oh, you want to invite me because I'm black? You're about to be black for eternity. What you want to do? Huh? My mom was like, you are a foolish boy. A foolish, foolish boy. Oh, friends, but the insult mentality attached itself to me. 
And it made me feel a certain way in the presence of God. And I'll tell you what happened, though, for Taylor. The Lord did use that moment, and he, he gave me the strength and the courage to actually lead her to the faith. And her family got led to the faith, and her dad is a deacon in the church that I grew up in today. Right? It was a powerful move of God for their family. But for me, even though I saw God working, it, it created disdain in my life. It was the insult mentality, and I started believing these things. Like, there was things that God didn't like about me, and there was things that he messed up when it came to me, and there was things that were adjusted. Can I tell you today, I came to refute the lie that there is nothing wrong with you, nothing missing or nothing broken. God did not make any mistakes when he made you today. Friends, listen to me. There is no accidents in the kingdom of God. I know some of you are like, well, that was just a kawinky dig. Absolutely not. The power of God is at work, and he is moving in such a specific way. Can I tell you, there's 7.8 billion people on the planet, none who have the same fingerprint. You think that's an accident? The earth is spinning at 460 seconds per meter or roughly 1,000 miles per hour. He is doing this today. You think that's an accident? If we were one inch closer to the sun, we would burn alive. And if we were one inch further away, we would freeze to death. You think that's an accident? He doesn't make any mistakes. And the Bible was so clear. The Bible was so clear that he formed you and knitted you in your mother's womb. That's why the, the lie of the culture today is to tell people that they have authority over their womb. When they don't, he does. Ooh, you know how many scriptures are written about the womb? That's why abortion is such a hot topic today because the enemy is trying to take the people of God out at conception. Oh, because he knows if they breathe a breath, that breath of God that comes into their lungs, oh, they'll start to rise and believe and their faith will grow and the spirit of the Holy Spirit will come into the room and wrap their arms around them. Let me tell you, there's multiple things that happen in the womb. Oh, when Jesus first interacted with his cousin John the Baptist, the scripture tells us that there was an interaction in the womb. They were moving in those babies. They had an encounter with one another. It was in the womb. It was in the womb. And I guess today what I'm trying to say is this, is that for many of us today, we've allowed the insult mentality to affect our decision-making, our faith, our belief, and ultimately our trust in God. We've got to erase whew, the insult mentality. I want to go right to the text today. Um, let me read it one more time, one more time, if you could put it up. It says, even Michael... The chief angel didn't dare insult the devil. Now, let me just go ahead and say this. Um, if there was anybody that was easy to insult, if there was anybody that was easy to talk about, if there was anybody that was easy to criticize, it is the devil. Are you hearing me today? I know we have minimized the devil in our culture, right? Like, uh, people dress up as the devil for Halloween, and they're like, I'm the devil. I'm like, mm, okay, like, this is weird that you want to entertain demons, whatever. But we made it so casual and funny to see the enemy in our culture. We think he has, like, pointy horns and, like, a little pitchfork. But I'm telling you, friends, if there was anyone easy to insult, it's the devil. And I had to come to this realization as I was reading the scripture. It says, Michael, the chief angel of heaven, he didn't dare insult the devil. Wait a minute. If heaven doesn't even, isn't even willing to insult my enemy, the enemy of God, if heaven isn't willing to insult the devil, why would he insult you who he loves? Oh, my gosh. Are you hearing me today? 
How dare we carry the insult mentality into the presence of God? Here's what I know just by looking at Michael, who spends countless hours in the presence of God. The Bible says that the angels have been around the throne for thousands of years, and they're not not creative, but they just look at God, and only one word can they utter is holy, 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 holy. They're in the presence of God day and night. Michael gets around the enemy, and he's so enamored with the goodness of God, he doesn't even have anything bad to say about Satan. So why would he say something bad about you? Ooh. Oh, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, right? I'm talking about old ladies would just take off running, sprinting like Usain Bolt if the service got real good. They would throw off their walker, take off! I'm like, Ethel, we prayed for your hip last week, and if you take it out again, we're not praying again, you know? Take it off. I mean, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, right? My pastor would sing. Like he was singing, he'd be like, the power of the Holy Ghost is here right now. I'm telling you today, sister, brother, if you give a tithe, you'll come alive. If you, if you open up your arms, God will meet you. Well, you know, like he would do that whole thing. I was like, wow, pastors, phenomenal. And I grew up in the kind of church where they believed that every turn and every corner, you would get sent to hell. They're like, oh, you play Uno, draw four, you're going to draw in hell, you know, like. Oh, you watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Well, let me show you that Grinch is the enemy, and you'll be with him if you watch that movie. You know, like, just crazy. It's the kind of church I grew up in. It was so easy to experience the insults that come as a result of belief. But here's a moment where we see someone who's a direct representative of the throne room of God, and he has nothing bad to say about Satan. Friends, Satan is the easiest person to insult. He's a slimy, stinky foe. He's under my feet. He's whatever, right? We've done it all. But, but heaven has nothing bad to say. How is it that Michael didn't have an insult mentality? That's what I want to preach about today. You're like, oh, you're about to start here right now. <laughs> I told you, 12 hours. How is it that Michael didn't have an insult mentality? Aren't you curious today? The least bit curious that someone who spent countless hours in the presence of God, here's what I know, he didn't insult the devil, therefore he did not have the insult mentality. Show me point number one today. Why didn't Michael insult the devil? When your position is secure with God, you don't have anything to prove of man. The Bible says that Michael was the chief angel of heaven, right? He was an intern angel. He was the chief angel, okay? And he had a position with God. And when you have a position with God, when you're secure in that position, you don't have anything to prove to man. Can I tell you this today? P trying to prove yourself will 10x the insult mentality in your life. You're like, how do you know that today? Because I tried to do it. Anytime we try to prove ourselves or put ourselves out there beyond what God has called us to. Friends, it 10Xs the insult mentality in, your, in our lives. A wise man, a spiritual father of my life, pulled me aside one time. And he said, Peter, be poor in spirit. I said, what do you mean? He says, the scripture says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. I said, teach me how to be poor in spirit. He said, to be poor in spirit means you have nothing to possess. Woo! I'm not after anything except him. I don't need more than what I have. Now, if he wants to give it to me, I'll steward it well, but I'm not thirsty for more. I'm thirsty for him. Who? And so many of us in this room, we've attached ourselves to things that we physically see that we're missing out on the spiritual things that God is trying to sow us. Oh, friends, don't get it twisted. The Bible says that this war that you and I in, it is not against flesh and blood. So don't get caught up in flesh and blood and material things. It's about spiritual things, principalities in an unseen world. He said to be poor in spirit, Peter, 
is to not want to possess anything. He said it's also to not want to protect anything. He said you don't have to protect yourself. God is going to protect you. To be poor in spirit is to be humble. He said you don't have anything to possess, anything to protect. And then he said this last thing, you don't have anything to prove. Woo! You don't got anything to prove. He said, and if you can be poor in spirit, then you will inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, I've come to find that, go back to point number one, I'm sorry. I've come back to find that point number one is so pivotal to removing the insult mentality from your life. What more do you need to understand that when God calls you, he says you are, Jesus, listen, God calls us sons and daughters, and then Jesus comes along and he says, you're my friends. He says, you're, he literally calls us into deeper, intimate relationship with him. This is what God is doing. And Michael understood who he was in the context of God's kingdom so he didn't have to argue with the enemy. Okay, all right. I, let me say it like this today. God is so using position to secure people that before, G, like when, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, before he did anything, before he moonwalked on water, right? Before he healed anybody, before he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, it says, as Jesus was baptized and came out of the water, the, Lord, the voice of the Lord came through, and it says, this is my dearly beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Or in other words, before he did anything that anyone could clap for, God is saying, I'm securing your position. And then later at the end of Jesus's life, as he's getting ready to go to the cross, again, this voice appears from heaven, and it says, this is my dearly beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Now that he's done all these things, the tone of heaven never changes because God is trying to secure you and I, understanding that our position is in him. We are called to him. We are children of almighty God. We are the ones that he died for. We are the ones that he said. Again, let me just say it one more time. He who didn't even spare his own son, will he not also give us all things? Man, that moves my soul today. Michael didn't have an insult mentality because he had a secure position with God. And when I think about this point today, it makes me think of the Apostle Peter. It makes me think about the Apostle Peter, who was trying to prove to Jesus that I can follow you. Maybe not these scrubs, but I can follow you. Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to be taken. And Peter says, listen, I'm going with you. And Jesus says, Peter, you can't. And he said, all of these guys might go, but I'm staying with you. And Jesus said, Peter, tonight you would deny me three times. We know the story. Peter sits by that hot fire, and he denies Christ three different times. They said, how did he find himself in that position? Because he was trying to prove something. When you are trying to prove it, you become the worst version of you. You don't have anything to prove today. Oh, this is going to set someone free. You don't have to prove how spiritual you are. Oh, you can understand today that you've been set apart and that God has his hands on you and that's good enough. That you're a child of God and that's good enough. That he's doing things in your life and that's good enough. You don't have to prove anything today. And the reason we allow the insult mentality to live on is because we feel like we have something to prove. Why is breakthrough not coming? I'll tell you why, because we're trying to prove something. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Michael understood his position. Go to point number two today. Why didn't he have the insult mentality? I wrote down, it's tough to have insults when you value the artist of the thing created. So watch this. It's not that Michael couldn't come up with insults. It's not like a fourth grade arguing match. Well, yeah, you, uh, right? There's no like insult there. It's just like, uh, your mom, you know, whatever. That, that wasn't the moment. It's not like Michael couldn't be creative. It's that Michael valued who God was so much. It's that Michael saw, saw that even Satan was initially created and formed by God, and he had so much value for the artist, he couldn't insult the thing created. 
What? Are you hearing me today? This should make you and I a little terrified because we, just like Michael, need to be careful about how we talk about the people that God created. Oh, I know they don't look like you, and I know they don't believe like you, and I know they might have some other things messed up in their life, and I know you don't agree with their life decisions, but the way you talk about them reveals where you are with God. Michael didn't even insult the devil because he understood he was created by God. Oh, are you hearing me today? He valued the artist of the thing created so much so that he couldn't insult the devil. And I've come to realize that when people don't value the artist, they can't value the thing that's created, and they certainly don't value themselves. They certainly don't value themselves. Michael couldn't insult the devil because he knew that the devil was created by God. And we know the story of Satan that he fell from grace because he wanted to be God instead of serve God, which is still happening today on the earth. So many people want to be God instead of serve God. And the, and the story is very simple, is that the Lord says to Satan, go, and millions, the scripture actually tells us, of angels go with him, demonic entities go with him. Satan is the one that, you know, like when we go back to the story of Adam and Eve, I'm a little blown away. I just got a couple questions, and I want to speak to this for just a moment. The Bible says that Adam and Eve, okay, I, okay I'm going to be careful how I say this today, but uh, they're just walking around naked in the garden, Okay? You're like, why do you have to say that? I'm just telling you, these people weren't thinking at all, okay? Just having a good time. They're alive. And then the Bible says that one day, a snake shows up to talk to Eve. Huh? Where is her husband? Where, where is her husband to say, no, no, don't talk to that thing? Where, can I tell you, this is a word for husbands to be present in their marriage. Oh, you better be careful about the snakes that are talking to your bride. The snake of insecurity. The snake of comparison. The snake of social media. Oh, we got to take care of these things today because it ushers in the insult mentality. It says that Eve is entertaining this voice of the serpent. Maybe because she's not hearing the voice of her husband. Friends, and they, we know the story. Satan deceives both Adam and Eve into thinking Actually, he, doesn't, he deceives them by twisting God's words, because that's what he does. He says, you'll be like God if you do this. They were already like God. Biggest lie of the century. They, they literally, they, they get deceived into believing these things from a serpent. And so now God has to, he already planned this, but everything has shifted. And now there's a plan being put into motion because they were deceived by the serpent. Friends, I, I'm just telling you today, it would have been really easy for Michael to insult the enemy. But he valued God so much. Now, I told this story at camp. I want to tell it again here today. There was a mom in my youth ministry. Shout out to the essential oil moms. Hello? This lady had oil. She's like, I got the oils. I got the got fish oil, egg. You know, I got, I got coconut oil. I'm like, lady, what are you talking about? Put this eucalyptus on your ear. Get off of me, lady. You know? And we had these young men in our youth ministry who were coming in from the inner city and they smelled like marijuana and they had alcohol on their breath and they came in and they were rough. And she pulled me aside and she said, Peter, I thought that you were going to protect our daughters or protect my daughter. She said, why would you allow these trash to come into our church? Friends, in that moment, 
the insult mentality was alive on the inside of her because how I heard her talk about those young men revealed everything that was going on in her relationship with God. I have never seen someone have a, a great relationship with God and speak negatively about other people like that. And I'll just be honest with you. I gave this lady grace because I understood that she was battling with the insult mentality. Now, I did say to her, I let her talk for about 20 minutes. Tell me about how bad these young men are about how they're trash, about how God has nothing for their lives. And at the end of it, I said, if we can't love them here, where are they supposed to go? If we can't put our arms around them and encourage them, if we can't continue to embrace them, oh, it doesn't matter what they smell like or look like, if we can't wrap our arms around them, what are we even doing gathering today? First, how can we tell people who don't know God that he loves them if we ourselves are still rustling and cuddling with the insult mentality? Huh? Some of us are holding on stronger to words, negative words that people have gave us greater than the words that God has given us. How we're still cuddled up with what your uncle said to you when you were 12. You're still cuddled up with what that boss said with you when they fired you. You're still cuddled up with what that person who you thought was following Jesus but lied to you did. You're cuddled up with the insult. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of this story of, of this lady. This is such a weird story. This lady, she had a pet snake. Why would you want to have an animal that represents Satan? I don't know. She had a pet snake, and she was feeding her snake. And one day, her snake decided to stop eating. Mm-hmm. And she took her snake to the vet. She's like, oh, my gosh, my snake. Right? She took her snake to the vet. And the doctor looks at the woman, looks at the snake. He's walking around the snake. He's walking around the woman. And then he goes, um, ma'am. About how many days ago did your snake stop eating? She's like, about three or four days ago. He goes, okay, okay. Does another lap around them both. Looks again and says, oh, ma'am, I know this is a weird question, but um, do you by any chance keep your snake in your bedroom? She's like, absolutely. I keep, I sleep with my snake right next to me. This is weird. Come on, y'all. Some of you, I saw somebody just going, hey, that's, hey, come on, Jesus. Right? And then the doctor goes, by any chance, do you let your snake get in the bed with you? She said, of course. And he said, when you wake up, is the snake stretched out? Is the snake stretched out right alongside of you? She said, yeah. How did you know? And the doctor says, ma'am, I have good news and I have bad news. The, the good news is that there's nothing wrong with your snake. The bad news is that your snake has been preparing to eat you. Oh, I came to talk to some people today to tell you some things you've been cuddling with for generations. Some lies from the enemy. Some lies from the snake. Some things that you've been cuddling. They're actually come to destroy you, to consume you. This is why we have to erase the insult mentality. Can I tell you today? Can I tell you? It's not just about shouting loud. Or crying tears though I do believe tears are powerful I call them liquid prayers but what I believe though is about there's doing this deep internal work where I say God I let go of these things people have spoken over me that I've chosen to remember for generations I let go of them today it's tough I'm going to take it too much time I'm going to go a little faster it's tough to insult things when you realize how awesome the one who created them is are you hearing me today this is why I've been taught, and I'm so thankful that I've been taught this, is that many of us have grown up saying, don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? We're like, don't say, don't stop your toe and say, oh, God, right? <laughs> That's such an interesting interpretation. But like, don't say, oh, Jesus, don't do that. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Can I tell you, when Moses went to free the people from Egypt, he asked God, he said, what is your name? And the Lord says, my name is I am. 
Moses said, so I should tell them who sent me? Tell them I am sent you. Who do you have authority by? I am. God, I don't know if that's going to work. But the Lord called, identifies himself as I am. So I suggest to you that taking the Lord's name in vain is not just going, ah, oh, Jesus. I suggest taking the Lord's name in vain today is going, I am lost. I am a loser. I am, uh, I am bad. I am whatever it is today. Because here's what I know today is the insult mentality lives on and people who continue to say I am whatever negative derivative has been passed down to you. Okay, point number three. Let's go to it today. Why did Michael have the insult mentality? Because insults develop where intimacy is absent. Hmm, have you ever seen a husband and wife and they're in love, right? Like they come back from their honeymoon. They're like, oh my gosh, we're so love. And then a couple years later, they're like, he is on my nerve. I am done with him. Right? Come on, you, I tell people, you're not even really married until you argue in the parking lot before church and then come in and still worship. He's good today. He's faithful. Brother Howard thinks going, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, huh? Thank you, God. But, but I've come to the insults develop where intimacy is lacking. Ooh, the farther, you know, when, when we see the story of David and Saul, in the beginning, there was a lot of intimacy there. Where Saul loved David, and he was talking to David, and he was inviting David to be close with him. You know, David slayed Goliath, and Saul was like, you know what? Come be my worship leader, you know? It's beautiful. They were close together. But then there started to be a separation because Saul started to hear the praise of the people for David and not himself. And there was distance. There was no longer more intimacy. And so the insults start to happen. And Saul finds himself trying to get David killed. And he finds himself throwing spears at David. And he finds himself attacking David. Friends, this happens every single time in our lives where intimacy is not present. I can tell you how close God, someone is to God by how they talk about people they don't like. Huh? I, I mean, I'm saved. This is how it always starts. I'm saved, but they are horrible. love God, but come on, they need to change, right? They're disgusting, right? Right, that's what he's saying. Oh, bless their heart. They're just lost. Oh, did you hear about her? Yeah, just bless, she's, yeah. I can tell. And, and honestly, when we look at how close Michael is in proximity to heaven, it makes, it makes sense that he has the strength to resist insulting the devil. The only thing that will give you strength to not insult others, which will then return and not you insulting yourself, is to be in closer proximity to Jesus. It's simple. And like, we're like, we know, but it doesn't matter what we know, it matters what we do. Intimacy. Friends, I'll say it like this. If they're insulting everyone, there's no way they're not insulting themselves. We have to erase the thing that's getting in the way of our depth it's the insult mentality. It's getting in the way of our depth. It's getting in the way of us being close. And honestly, when people lack intimacy with God, it means that they don't understand the grace of God. And when there is no grace of God flowing, there's no mercy of God being remembered. Insults start to fly and we forget. Go to the last point. Why was Michael able to resist the insult mentality? The insult mentality thrives where people can't release control. Oh, it thrived. They couldn't control Jesus. You remember in the Bible, they couldn't control Jesus? So they called him what? A demon. They called Jesus a demon. They said, you are the son of the devil. 
That's what they said to Jesus. Why? Because insults fly anytime. They couldn't control him, so they tried to criticize him. They couldn't control him, so they tried to, to identify him. And I'm telling you today, if you can just release control, then the insult mentality will not thrive in your life. Come on, you don't have to control everybody. Listen, I'm telling you, God is a great navigator. Are you hearing me today? He can control the parts of your life that you're trying to fix, and you're like, it's not working. It doesn't seem like any of these pieces are coming together. Release control and let the insult mentality melt off your life. This is the thing getting in the way of our depth. Because most of us, because we can't release control, we come into the presence of God and we see everyone singing and we go, maybe I just don't feel anything. Maybe another time. No, the insults are flying. We're more aware of the negative words that have spoken instead of what God has said to us. Hear me today. Release control. Let go today. Even in the services, we open up the altar, let, let go today. God, I don't want to try to steer my life. I don't want to try to put the pieces together. I don't understand everything you're doing. I surrender to you. You will be shocked at what he can do. Or you can continue to cuddle with the insults of people who have spoken negatively over your life. Worship team, come back up here. The insult mentality, oh, friends, it attaches itself to us. And it holds on for dear life. You know, I had a student in my ministry who, uh, who got saved, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, baptized, filled. I call that a triple crown. It happened all in one retreat. It was awesome. She's like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. This Holy Spirit thing is weird. I was like, yep. She's like, I'm not doing that baptism thing. That's weird. How, how long do you have to stand in the water? I was like, get under, boom, you know, right? All three. And then her senior year, she said, Pastor Peter, everything about this faith makes sense to me, except this part where God loves me beyond what I've done wrong. I can't understand it, so I can't follow him. And she denounced her faith. She denounced her faith. She's like, I, she was like, I'm not following Jesus anymore. What happened, you ask? The insult mentality grew. I can't understand how he could love me, how he could forgive me, how he could accept me. And we, because we're mature in Christ, like, excuse me, sir, I know it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I'm mature. Because we think that these problems only affect younger believers or younger Christians, We've taken the insults that have been spoken and we just cast them to the side, but they're really affecting how deep we can get with God. He's forgiven you today. Are you hearing me? He's forgiven you today. And he loves you today. And he wants to encounter you today, but you got to release control. Let me tell you one last story. I was with my Uncle Patrick. My Uncle Patrick is a really great guy. He's one of those people that smiles with his mouth open. <laughs> right? <laughs> Actually, I like standing next to Uncle Patrick because he's darker than me. It makes me feel light-skinned. <laughs> like, Uncle Patrick, you turn off the lights. My boy is gone. Just eyes closed. He's disappeared. Okay? He's dark. And uh, I remember I, I was getting into a little bit of tr trouble in the summer. I was in, living in Philly. And uh, my mom was like, you're going to Mississippi um, to stay with your Uncle Patrick. I was like, mm-mm. She was like, you're going. And I was with my Uncle Patrick in Mississippi. And... Uh, He's like, Peter, this summer I've decided to do prison ministry. I was like, oh, what does that have to do with me? He's like, we're going to do it together. I was like, I'm too cute to go to jail. I don't. 
I'm not, no. Like a miniature Hershey kiss, I can't, you know. Jail, prison, no. He's like, we're going. So I remember walking into the prison with my Uncle Pat and we're walking into this place and you know, we see the brokenness and the frustration and the anger and the, the thing that people are going through. And uh, we walk past A block, B block, C block to this place called D block. Now, I don't know anything about jails, but I know I don't want to go to D. How about we stay in A and let God move in A? He can move in A and D. He's an omnipresent God. He can be, you know, Uncle Patrick's like, shut up. We're going to D block. I have somebody I want to talk to. And we sit across from this man whose charges were really aggressive. Uncle Patrick's just sitting there, held out his hand to shake this guy's hand. He held out his hand to shake my hand. I was like, mm -mm. no. I was scared. And Uncle Patrick starts talking to this man about his faith. He says, man, I feel so free, so alive. So, man, I, I can't believe that Jesus has done this for me. I said, what? And, you know, I'm young at this point. I said, what do you mean free? You are in prison. I told you I'm a realist. And he just smiled at me. Uncle Patrick was like, well, you are dumb. Stop talking. He's locked up. I'm just saying. He said, I just feel, <laughs> I'll tell you, this actually happened. He said, I just feel the peace of God, the freedom of God. He's been so good to me. He said, it's like every day I have more joy than I had the day before. And as I was putting this message together, I couldn't help but think about a man who was actually behind bars, but it's freer than most Christians I see who are roaming around. I couldn't help but think about a man whose heart has been transformed, the insult mentality removed from his life, encountering the power of God in a place where he is physically locked up, but freer than most of us in this room. Has nothing bad to say about me oh I know this makes you feel uncomfortable but hear me today if he doesn't have anything horrible to say about Satan there is no way he has anything horrible to say about you he is more generous than you thought more better he's better than you thought more kind more merciful than you thought today and I think you and I, as a response to this goodness of God, need to let go of the instant mentality. Every negative word spoken over me, God, I release it. Every insult I've even said to myself, I let go of it because I know that now, me saying I am a bad person, I am lost, I am horrible, I am not going to get it right, I am whatever, is taking your name in vain because I'm called to bear your image. Help me to get rid of the insult mentality so that I can actually have momentum in my life. Some of us in this room, we experienced it all last year. Pastor Chris got up here, or whoever got up here, and they preached a word from God. You clapped your hands, you shouted, you gave him a Holy Ghost two-step, walked out of this house into your car, and immediately the insult mentality took away everything your pastor prophesied over you. Stop it. We've got to erase the insult mentality. How can we focus on what God is saying if we're always criticizing ourselves? Friends, you cannot focus on criticism in Christ. The Bible says no weapon formed against us will prosper. I'm telling you, even the weapon of your own criticism. Hear what I just said. No weapon will form against you, and we think that's exterior. But like, you, no, it won't work. You, no, it won't work. What about you in the mirror? 
criticizing yourself. Talk, you, so, you speak so harshly to you, you would never speak that way to someone else. And it's keeping us from death with God. And the world is starting to actually put this together in better pieces than the church. Because the world's all on the, they are on the train of counseling and therapy. You need to counsel, you need therapy. Counseling and therapy, therapy and counseling. Because there's something missing in here. I'll tell you what it is. It's the insult mentality that's attached itself to your life. And when that thing is ruling in you, you can't hear the good things that God is speaking about you. That's why a lot of us don't like to read the Bible because every time we open up the Bible, we read it and we go, oh, I'm doing that wrong. I read it and I'm like, yep, I'm doing that right. Come on, he said that about me over there. Oh, he's going to give me that right there. Oh, there's a joy that's supposed to come from our lives as we encounter our God. But many of us have come in and this presence thing doesn't feel good. And you've just chalked it up to, well, maybe it's not my time. No, it is your time. Let go of the insult mentality. I want you to remember this today. Michael stood before Satan and had nothing horrible to say about him. And ultimately what Michael decided to do is he released control. He said, you know what? The Lord will take care of you. I wish you would say that today. I wish you would look at your porn addiction and go, the Lord will take care of you. I wish you'd look at the problems in your marriage and go, the Lord will take care of you. I wish you'd look at your comparison problem and go, the Lord will take care of you. I wish you'd look at your anger and say, the Lord will take care of you. I wish you'd look at that negative word and say the Lord will take care of you. Would you release control today and watch the power of God flow in your life like you've never seen before? Oh, friends, I don't want to get you misled today, and I'm done right here. I'll tell you today what I truly believe. We look at the earth and see how dark it is, and we go, oh, my gosh, there's so many different agendas. You know what the problem is? People, I'm not saying this, but I'll say this is what people say. Hear me. This is what people say. You know what? And they've said it for multiple generations with every president that we have. You know what the problem is? The problem is who's in the White House. That's what people say. You know what the problem is, people will say? They'll say, the problem is the gay agenda. That's what they'll say. They'll say, you know what the problem is? The problem is what is common core. That's what we're teaching our kids. That's the problem. The, the, the problem is that we do this. The problem is that we do that. And hear me today. Those, listen, I don't affirm any of those things today. And I'll tell you today that I believe, I'm praying and believe that God's going to move in every single one of those areas. I don't affirm that. But what I am telling you today, that the earth is dark today, not because of any of those problems. The earth is dark today because of dead, dry Christians that have a God in heaven who loves them, but won't erase the insult mentality. You're like, how can you say that today? Easy. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. And then the Bible says that he lives on the inside of us. And if he lives on the inside of us, then guess what? When we get in spaces that are dark, we light up the world. So if the world is dark, I'm not going to look at the world and say, why is it like this? I'm looking at the church that's saying, when are you going to light it up? And we can't today because all we can think about is the negative words Ooh, that we've harbored held on to and sat with for generations my uncle said this to me my aunt said this to me my dad said this to me and we've cuddled with it for so long not realizing that thing is stretched out of itself to consume us Holy Spirit I invite you into this room today Lord I know that you want to go deeper with every single one of us you want to give us momentum in our faith today and it starts with us truly believing that you are for us and not against us. It starts with us believing that you love us more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And today in this service, God, as we step into your grace and into your presence, 
would you let help us to let go of the insult mentality look I I want to be clear today I'm not just trying to have like a rah-rah service there's a lot of us in this room that have harbored words that someone spoke over us or that we spoken over ourselves and it is literally the stumbling block in between our relationship with God we cannot move forward it's like so many of us today we we know that Jesus is calling us forward and he's given us strength but we're dragging the cinder block with us and we're like we're trying to get there let go of the insult mentality today heaven has nothing horrible to say about you close your eyes today please please hear what I'm saying heaven has nothing horrible to say about you but you don't understand what I've done I don't care what you've done do you know what he's done you don't understand what I said do you know what he said <laughs> 